Right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 389. Jason Lingren is with me and Dr. Graves returns. And Jason, I should have looked up numbers. Maybe I'll do that during the course. Uh, everyone should know that on Crow777radio.com, there is a search function. The search function has two sides. You can use a guest name or you can use a keyword or a number. It works pretty well. So you can go look up the previous episodes with Dr. Graves. Primarily, what we're going to open with here, no, no telling where the conversation goes, but the idea of remaining in honor, or I guess Dr. Graves said a lot of people online are calling it standing in honor. These are big ideas for me. These are foundational ideas that I try to run my life. And when I do it, uh, it's not like tr- trying to get over an addiction. Well, if I fell down, I'll just get back on the horse. To me, it's your all in or your all out. And I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with that, but that's how I view it. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And good morning. All right. We got anything? Let's get on. All right. Welcome back, Dr. Graves. Thank you. We've got a, a list of things we're going to follow on that uh, Rose helped put together here, I think. So let's just open up. Or, or is there anything you'd like to preface? Do you want to preface this conversation with any ideas? Well, I've looked forward to. Uh to talking about this that, that we touched on the last time we had a chat and uh, the idea about standing in honor and doing what's right and realizing that the more we do what's right, hopefully our concept of right is right. But if we're doing what's right and, and doing what is in fact right, we make progress in life. Life just works out better. And so we've been looking forward to chatting about that with you wonderful people. All right. Well, I did a quick look up. The previous episodes with Dr. Graves are 342 and 364. That out of the way, you know, it occurs to me that the idea of acting in honor, remaining in honor, basically running your life by the idea of I'm going to stick to what's right. I'm going to make all my decisions based on what I think is right. And like you said, hopefully your idea of right is right. (laughs) But um, think of how this pandemic would have been so different if people would have just evaluated what was being offered and put in front of them and simply said, is this right or wrong? And if it's wrong, I'm not doing it. I got to throw that in. Got any thoughts on that, Dr. Graves? Well, I I think that that first question is like the a priori of the whole discussion is what is right? And when what we think is right is not right, we can still believe that we're doing right, but if we're not doing right, if we're not being honest with ourselves, we're not being honest with the rest of society, then ultimately there's going to be a penalty because that's the way natural law works. But when we do what's right and and happen to be informed so that what we think is right is actually right, there's rewards that go on and on and on. Um, they're un, un uncalculable rewards when, I guess you'd have to say, when the universe, God, whatever you want to talk about, blesses us by putting us on that right path, because that right path brings us to the result that we, I think we all want, which is peace and prosperity. I'm all in. Um, I'm 100% with those ideas. And before we jump in, uh, to the points. We're going to open up with honesty is always the best policy. Dr. Graves, can you quickly tell folks about the law course that you offer? And I want everyone out there to know I have had, I don't even know so many emails and I know Rose probably 
has more than I do of people saying, I spent a weekend, this changed my life. I was afraid. Now I have a clue. I'm no longer afraid. And so many success stories of people acting in a way that they didn't know how to act before they came across Dr. Graves' course. So just, just lay that down. And also, we should tell people there is a link to Dr. Graves' course on the website. And actually, I should look at it so that I can remember real quick here. It is the yellow one that says, no lawyer, no problem. It's all the way left in the second row of things that I link to because they're important. Can you give an overview on that real quickly, Dr.? Well, it's, it really is kind of related to what we're going to talk about today. The idea that, that I discovered years ago when I started practicing law 35 years ago, that there are rules, just like there are rules in life. If you cheat and lie and steal, uh, you don't win. When you go to court, there are a set of rules. They're real simple. Rules of evidence, rules of procedure, rules of evidence, only 19 pages in the federal rules. So what, what we've got at the website is, is something that just helps people understand that there are rules. If, if you want to go to court, let's standing in honor, let's play by the rules. And when we do play by the rules, we get excellent results. And the course is all about helping people to understand how to play by the rules and don't need to say any more about it. Okay. Jason, anything you want to add about the course? I'm guessing you probably got tons of email too. So of course, I would say that Alphonse's group as a good example has blossomed. And a lot of it has to do with the course, people actually knowing what to do and what to say and how to act and all that. And they now have the confidence to do so. It all comes down to this course. And then of course, there's the group that Rose is a part of that is weekly that you take part in, Dr. Graves? Yes. When I, have, when I have time, I do. And that is only for people who have taken the course so that they can discuss whatever issues and considerations they're working with. It's a big help. And I'll say it one more time, right under the episode audio on any page, there's a group of little tiny images. The yellow one links to Dr. Graves' course. I don't link to just anything. They have to be a big deal or effective or unique in some way for me to take the time to link them from my website and stand behind them as, I guess, a thing that I feel is quality. Think of all the people who didn't want to wear a mask, that had to contend for their children. Um, the foundational learning that you get here, um, it, it makes a big difference. Anyhow, let's jump in. Jason, do you, do you suppose we should read these out? They're written pretty well. Of course, we're going to be talking about the concept of standing in honor. Honesty is always the best policy. Now, do you want to go through these bit by bit, Dr. Graves? Sure. It looks like they're grouped off. Do you want to just read the, the mini paragraph, Dr. Graves, and then go in and cover that as a whole? Well, I made some notes just to kind of follow the outline that you have. If you want me to go ahead and I'll talk and you just interrupt and we'll flesh it out and hopefully people will see the, the benefit of this for themselves. It seems to me that the notes would be good to read the entire little section all at once and then you can you can lay it down. So go ahead, Jason. Let's take all the way down to darkness has no power. Because the universe, God, Logos, operates to reward honesty, truth, and goodwill toward others. Light always dispels darkness. Dark cannot dispel even the tiniest glimmer of light. Only by removing light can darkness enter. Darkness has no power. It's all you, Dr. Graves. Well, that's, an, that's the nature of the universe. You know, whether, whether people believe there's a, a God sitting on a white cloud somewhere with his outstretched finger blessing humanity, 
or whether people believe that uh, there's a, a logos that controls the universe and everything within it, the reality that we experience when we get older is that those principles that we have been taught about God, if you want to use the word God or Allah or whatever you want to use, the universe, whatever, that as we said, I think in the maybe the first time that in number 342 with you, apples fall. When they when they come off a tree, they don't fall up, they fall down. And that's the way that the universe is created. And darkness is has no power of itself. And and it was it it's that's something that came to me many years ago. I was just thinking about the fact that if when I turn off the light in my bedroom at night, the darkness rushes in. But when I turn on the light, the darkness has to run away. And when we walk in the light and when we do what's right and we seek to know what's right and help others to move into the light and, and ad be advantaged by being in the light, uh, things go well for us because that's the way the universe is created. And to think otherwise is just insanity. I used the example so many times in the earlier episodes that you could be in a cavernous building that is pitch black and the smallest tiny spark of light will send it fleeing. And these are foundational truths that have made a big difference in my life. Things like what's foundational to our existence? Well, the seasons are, day and night are, and this idea that we're talking about is wrapped up in that very thing. In this place where we exist, the sun is providing most of the light, but there are other sources. There are stars. The moon plays a role part-time. These things should be foundational to how we conduct ourselves because if you go out into nature, nature is working as nature should, and it will at the exact moment it needs to without fail. So how is it that we as human beings have strayed so far away from these ideas, I would ask? Hmm. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a giant question, but it seems to me that we all have this thing called self-interest. Even Mother Teresa, I've said this many times, people say, well, you know, I don't know, I'm not selfish. I'm not doing this because I'm selfish. But, you know, even, even Mother Teresa, she had a motive to do the wonderful things she did for all those people that needed her. And that motive was, she, it made her feel good. It made her happy. It satisfied her in a special way. Everything that we do, if, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're standing in honor about this, Everything we do is to benefit ourselves in one way or another, though we may like to deny it and puff ourselves up and hope other people see us as being unselfish and that's a hard word, mercenary. I forget the word. But, you know, down deep inside, if we're honest with ourselves, we do act out of self-interest. Now, when the self-interest stands in honor and we're doing things that are right because they're right, we do get the reward and we're still acting in self-interest, but we're being guided in the right way. And, and that is just a blessing for people when that begins to dawn on them in life, when they begin to be old enough to see that the universe really does reward good. You know, it wasn't too long ago, Jason, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this into the legal realm a little bit here, doctor. Uh, we had been aware of some of the legal tactics where this guy's going to pay so I'm going to sue them to make them pay. And to me, that goes the exact opposite of remaining in honor. It's almost like saying, 
this guy's going around punching people and I don't like it. So I'm going to go around and punch all them. And the old Eastern ideas would tell you, if you don't like punching, um, then why would you punch? And logically you can't find flaw with that. Although it's always not so simple for human beings, but I want to bring that up where legal things are going on and you have all these options. And then you think, you know what, this guy really irked me. So I'm just going to go ahead and sue him to give him that ultimate kick in the huevos. And at the time where I heard this, I, I voiced it. I said, why, why would you do such a thing just to try to get revenge or your pound of flesh, whatever, however you want to look at it? That's, that's not remaining an honor from my point of view. And ultimately, it doesn't win. Even if you win the money, you know, I, I'll go ahead and share this with you, if I may. I was benefited by being asked to be first mate and navigator on the world's most expensive American-owned yacht. We won't say who it belonged to because I'm going to say something that might be a little negative. But here is this fellow. He's on a, a yacht that at the time, back in the 70s, was worth $4.3 million. That's that's a big boat. And here we are riding along he, in his stateroom. He has a gold hand that sticks out in, in the bathroom in his stateroom to hold the soap. He's got a fireplace on his yacht. He's got everything that you could possibly want. And his wife was divorcing him, and his son was strung out on cocaine and having a hard time. So what did it gain him? You know, it's like where the Bible says, what, what does it gain you if you gain the world and you lose your soul? And we need to clutch onto our souls, to, and, and that also is part of this, to pray to God to, to fill me with wisdom so I know what's honorable, so I know what's right, so I can move in that direction, because that's where the blessing is, and I want the blessing. Good point. Go ahead, Jason. Let's pick up on the next one. When one's opponent is crooked is when you must be straight. On the level, by the square, some will recognize. Faithful to the law that promises the benefit one seeks. Faithful to oneself. Faithful to God, who sustains us in righteousness and punishes us when we do wrong. And there is no escape from this truth. All right, let's put an underlier before Dr. Graves picks up. The language we use should fit everybody when we say things like God or things that have a religious connotation. It doesn't cut anyone out of the conversation. If you would swap that word for saying creation, creator, nature, however you want to view it, these are sound ideas, I would add. Go ahead, Dr. Graves. No, absolutely. I mean, even, even the Shinto people. Uh, you know, they recognize this. The, the Sikhs celebrate it, uh, if, if you know anything about the Sikh religion. So when, when I use the word God, I mean the God of the Sikhs, the Jews, the Muslims, the Christians, the Sikhs, everybody. Because we all have this, I don't know, it's like it's built into us. There's a sense that there really is some kind of order to the universe. Uh, the Greeks called it the Logos. And uh, there's no escape from it. And on, you know, that's why we trust in God. That's why the, this nation's motto is completely misconstrued. They, so many people think that has anything to do with religion. It doesn't have anything to do with religion. And, and the, the business about government not being able to get involved in religion has got nothing to do with the motto. The motto is, if we, if we extrapolate it a little bit, and it's, it's, we trust in God. We trust in providence. 
In fact, that's the word that George Washington used when he spoke of God. He, he used the word providence, the, the, the grand architect of the universe. There's no way to escape this. It has nothing to do with religion. And when, when humans, and it's the same with nations, what's true about us individually is also true about nations. And when a nation is, is trusting in this principle that we're talking about today, that good gets good, you know, being honorable, it has a blessing in and of itself, but it also has the blessing that there are things that come to you when God lets you be honorable. And it's just something that I hope someday, God willing, I get to talk to the United States Senate and, and, and resist this temptation that people seem to have to get rid of we trust in God because they think it's religion. It's not. This nation needs to trust in the principle that, by golly, our nation needs to do what's right. You know, the time of, of murdering Indian women and children in their camps, uh, we, we got to be ashamed of that and move forward and be an honorable nation and be an honorable people. And some people might think, well, you know, who is this guy saying these things? But I think you and, and uh, Jason agree with me. If we do good, we get rewards. If we do bad, we get punished sooner or later. You know, I like your opening idea, and I can use it as an example. Um, when I served in Japan in the Marine Corps, I hadn't been on island very long when I saw these ropes, and I asked about them. And I was told, oh, the Shintos married those two rocks because there's a spirit in them. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how is it that I've lived my whole life? I've never heard of this. But immediately I knew I was raised Christian, so I should view that as crooked. There should be no value in that for me. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I also had heard of alchemy and alchemy had told me everything has a soul, a spirit, and a body. I had just never thought, can a rock really have that? And then as I blew out my thoughts, I realized that I had been taught to view all these other ideas that weren't part of my group as crooked mm-hmm. ideas, as, as not on the level, as not valuable when the exact opposite is true. And to me, that is a big part of remaining in honor. You got to quit viewing everyone else who's not what you're used to as problematic or less in some way. Um, and to this day, I've, I find value thinking back on all the things I learned the first time I put my feet into Japan and was exposed to all these ideas and, and ways of being that I had never experienced before. I think it relates directly to what you're talking about here. Well, you know, the, the, I think it's, we, we all have this tendency and, and, we gradually, I think, God grows us out of it. And again, using the word God, however you want to use it, to be critical. Uh, our weakness, our sense of insufficiency, which we all have a little bit of. I mean, we all have a smidgen now and then. <laughs> Some have more than others. But I think that we foolishly try to, to downplay uh, our own shortcomings and our own weaknesses by criticizing others. In fact, you know, from time to time, when you're when you're around a group of other people, you'll find that some of those groups spend most of their time in conversation talking about Sue or Bobby or or did you hear what Harry did last week and goes on and on and on instead of talking about things that are that are filled with light and hope and promise and nobility and honor. Hey, I'll lead us into the next one. When I was about 14 years old. My father had me working. We were in Rhode Island for the summertime, and he had me working on all kinds of things. And I forget exactly what I had done, but I hadn't done it right. 
And my father looked me in the eye and he asked me, son, do you know what I value above all other things? And wherever it came from, I answered correctly. I said, you want to see things done right the first time. And I saw the gleam in his eye. And I always remember that to this day, which leads us in, Jason. True joy arises only from doing right. Little in life brings greater suffering than shame. Wounds one's self. Wounds one's relationships. Having friends in low places at the Oasis is for losers. To win by cheating gains no lasting victory. Winning honestly is precious and deeply satisfying. There are few experiences like fighting for truth and winning. Knowing wrong and lawlessness have been defeated. Seeing right prevail sets an example for others and for the children. These are big words, Dr. Grave, particularly in this time where all that is powerful in our world is provably doing the wrong thing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it reminded me of a, of, of a case I had when a, a fellow had used a Xerox machine to make it look like his mother had <laughs> created a will uh, so that he and his sister could get the estate instead of the, the elderly lady that was a, a friend of the old woman that died. And they had an attorney, and I opposed him. And then a little bit later, they had another attorney. Now they've got two against me. A little bit later, they had an attorney who was a a lawyer emeritus for whom they held banquets. And one of these, he talked very slowly, you know, those type wore the special suit, the seersucker suit, an old timer. Now I have three of them against me. I knew that they knew that what they were doing was wrong, that it did not match the law, that they could not win if, if I didn't go brain dead. And I remember when I, when I did, did win, by the grace of God, then I was walking past their table as I was leaving, and I heard the old man say to their clients, there's no way we could have known this was going to happen. I knew a year ago that they knew that they could not win. The only good part was they drained the pockets of these people that were trying to cheat. So once again, cheating didn't win. You know, this reminds me of when we first met Alphonse, um, and he begins to point out that the local municipality where you live is doing all these things that are basically indefensible. And if you come in with a little common sense, most of these things that I had accepted my whole life is that's how a town runs. They don't hold up. They don't stand up. And it relates directly to what we're talking about. What is right? There's been a perversion along the way where these laws that apparently once were, and they were designed for the community, for the town, had perverted into some kind of a corporate policy. I don't know how else to describe them. And so much of the world has gone that way, but that's why what we're talking about is important. Because when you bring a light, darkness does flee. And when we go out in the world, so much of it has slid so far from what is correct. It's a bit mind-boggling when you finally wake up to what's actually going on in most, I don't know, governmental places. And other places. If if I may, just take a second. Uh, And I love to tell the story. Give me a moment. I had just left Atlanta. I was going back to where I was living in East Point, Georgia, which was very nice back then. This is a long time ago, 60 years ago. And uh, 
I decided to stop at the library, and I'd never been at the library before. Anyway, I went to the library. There was no one there. The afternoon sun was going through a pinhole in the curtain and shone a beam on the dusty air that shone on a two-volume encyclopedia, uh, basically, of the English language. And uh, if, if, if anybody in my shoes would have ignored that, I've, I, I challenged them. <laughs> I can't imagine anybody would ignore a beam of light shining on the gold-lettered, leather-bound uh, volume. So anyway, I went and picked it up. And that's where I learned this concept from a man named Albert Gallatin Mackey, that every generation has a responsibility to reset the landmarks. That's the way he put it, uh, to go and fix back, put, put back the things that youth tears down, youth in its exuberance to have everything it can as quickly as it can, as much as it can, no matter who it hurts. That's what's going on. And so Albert Gallatin Mackey in this lovely leather-bound two-volume book with gold letters on the seams encouraged us to understand that those of us who know better need to be working feverishly to reset the landmarks, to reestablish those things that are honorable and true, that will see us through and see future generations through into the future with security and with prosperity and with joy and, and what we're all seeking in life, because we can't have it if we continue to allow this youthful mindset to rob us of the benefit of having those lighthouses and guides and, and fixed principles to keep us on track. There's a lot there to unwrap as you were doing. Did, did you spend time in, in Japan, Dr. Graves? No, but I've studied a little bit of Shintoism among other religions. Mm, I, I noticed you referenced Okinawan karate uh, the first time I, I'd known about it. But when I saw that, it, it's relating to what we're talking about because it seems to draw all its ideas from the natural world, even in so much as farming implements were put to work uh, in self-defense. But anyhow, Jason, anything you want to throw in or are we moving forward here? Let's move forward. Anger gains nothing ever. All of the martial arts teach that one must focus one's chi. Strike with total directed force. Okinawan karate, not a sport. Every step directed to the target goal. Not one ounce of energy spent on useless motion or emotion. Focus is the key to power. Anger is not action. It's just anger. Hurts no one but the angry person. It is dishonor. We can go over the root of the word anger. Angst, asthma, intense suffocating sorrow, rage, loss of self-control, loss of power, never good in a fight. All right. These are huge ideas for the simple reason that they relate in my world to how I try to run my life. I was fortunate. I have a mother that when I thought about it, she got dementia and she would get angry. And it occurred to me, I had never seen my mother get angry in the totality of my life before the dementia had set in. But one thing that is clear above all other things to me now is these spells that are all over the world. They require a state of high emotion. And that's exactly what anger is. So pick it up there, please, Dr. Graves. Well, okay. Thank you. That's a lot. But I had to benefit back in 1962 when I started at Florida State University, and I 
came across a monograph, a very small hand-bound little book on karate, and it was from Okinawa, and it was back when karate was not a sport. It was a means of self-defense, which basically involved uh, either dismembering somebody, uh, breaking a leg, or if necessary, terminating them. And, and so I see a lot of people, they, they seem to, to fight their fights, whether it's in court or with their family member or somebody at the business they're having a hard time with. They, they just, just go all over the place. They just get, they get lost in their emotions. And the only thing that we need to do is focus on what is the goal. I had the benefit of, of teaching in a private school in Orlando, Florida many years ago. They had a fairly good basketball team. But they weren't doing really well, and I, I like to go to the basketball games, and I'd watch them, and I'd see that they'd be looking at the scoreboard, looking at the scoreboard. And so after one of the games, I called the captain up to me, and, and of course, I was, I'm just a, I'm five foot nine. I'm a little built like a boxer. I'm not, not really a basketball player. And so he, he, he didn't think I would know much about the game, and I don't know a lot about the game. But I asked him, I said, well, Brent, that was his name, Brent Baird. And he, 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 I said, what's the, what's the object of this game? He said, well, it's to win, you know, like, like I couldn't know anything. And uh, I said, well, what are you trying to do? Got to beat the other team. Got to beat the other team. I said, no, Brent, let me explain something to you. The object of this game is get the ball, put it in the hoop. Get the ball, put it in the hoop at the right, correct end of the court. And then get the ball again, put it in the hoop. Don't do anything but get the ball and put it in the hoop. Believe it or not, they went on. This was a Christian school. They went on in one of these Christian conferences and won the national championship. Because after all, that's the game. Get the ball, put it in the hoop. Nothing else matters. And when we allow ourselves to be, what's a good word for it? Dispersed, spread out, going at this like a shotgun. When we need to be going at it like, like a 223 or a 308, you know, or a stiletto principle, you know, get pointed, point, point everything right at the goal, and then follow the proper path, a straight path, and focus all your energy toward getting to what you want to get to. And getting angry, it, it, that's a distraction. If you happen to be in a fist fight, or, you know, somebody coming at you like with a bicycle chain, like happened to me one time, uh, you know, being angry at that guy wasn't going to help me at all. I had to deal with the bicycle chain. And, and I think that's part of being in honor is don't let emotions get involved. Uh, being angry at the guy on the other side, he's just, he just acting the way he's acting because he's ignorant or stupid. And so when, when I take that position, I've got one up on them. I take it a step further, almost the totality of the things we value most highly in this fallen material age is designed to get a high emotional state. Movies and TV are a great example of this. They put forth an antagonist. He might be a serial killer in one movie, and yet he's the focus and the person you end up rooting for. And then all these other things that happen, they make you angry or they make you cry or they make you sad. Remember Walt Disney? When he made his first, I think it was uh, Sleeping Beauty, if I'm not mistaken. And all the adults in the room said, what are you doing? You're making this cartoon for two hours or whatever it was. No one's going to come. And he looked them in the eye and he said, if I can get one person 
in that audience to cry at the key places we will have succeeded. Well, cut to the chase. People in the audience, lots of them cried for a hand-drawn cartoon that is about as divorced from reality as you can be. Nonetheless, your emotions were invested in this synthetic mock-up of a world that you could have walked outside the theater and experienced. And this is the big, big deal of emotion. And another thing is I have recently seen a number of Hollywood productions that vilify the lack of emotion and equate it with non-human efforts. And I'll back Dr. Graves. I've seen some of the best martial artists I could imagine. And at no time are they angry. They're effective. They're quick. They've already made up their mind in an instant and anger is not a part of it. And this goes across almost anything you could do in life and never forget these black magic spells that seem to have veiled the eyes of so much of the world require a high state of emotion for the seed to be planted. You want to add anything to that? Well, it was interesting because just yesterday evening, I'm vi- we're visiting with m- one of my sons who is a, uh, he's a <laughs> six foot four. I think he is. 235 pounds of solid muscle. He's a, he's a deputy sheriff and he likes to watch things like Batman and, and uh, you know, stuff with bang, bang and shoot, shoot and break people's faces and all that. And last night he gave me the control and he said, what do you want to watch? And I said, let's watch peanut butter Falcon, peanut butter Falcon. It's a great movie. (laughs) I recommend it. But instead of watching Batman, we watched peanut butter Falcon. And uh, it was just a, a peaceful movie about a young man with Down syndrome who, who ends up going on a journey and an adventure with a, with a down and out fellow and beautiful story. But it was just as entertaining. And I just enjoyed the fact that my son, Trevor, he was, he was laughing and having a wonderful time, but it wasn't the kind of movie he was used to. And you're 100% correct. We've got so much of that that praises the villainy, praises of violence, praises anti-God things, anti-religious things, uh, and just people go for that. But when, when the dust settles, that doesn't get us anywhere. And, you know, at the, at the end of every war, you know, I think about MacArthur sitting on that battleship, and what did he have in his hand? It wasn't a pistol. It was a pen. World War II ended with MacArthur holding a pen. We're going to cross the Rubicon here if we get into these big historical events. But, you know, Jason, I almost feel like the the gentleman's bet that I made with you about famous deaths, it almost feels like it would fit in to what we're talking about now. Hmm. Do you want to add anything to the anger ideas? I don't know. Should I bring it up? Tell us what you're talking about. Please share. So, To put a fine point on how the real world is truly can be addressed with the things we are talking about from a legal aspect or simply how you conduct yourself. There was a group of movies that were put together that led up to 2020, and it was done by Keanu Reeves, and the name was a cult, John Wick, the wizard. And what it sought to do was to get you to root for a guy who was going to put a bullet in a head every few seconds through the entirety of the movie, (laughs) hyper-violence at a level that I I think one of the things they set out to do was break the violence records of all time. But the title of the third installment, I believe it was, was released, wait for it, in 2019. 
and it was parabellum. You know what parabellum means? It means prepare for war. Mm. That's what they did. This hyper emotional, hyper violent movie telling everyone prepare for war in, in 2019, right before 2020 hits. I had said to Jason, we could put together a hell of a show if we simply went back and picked famous names that everybody knows in the world, that famous, that had tragic deaths and that wrote music. If we simply went and pulled the titles and the lyrics of their what they had created, I could demonstrate that there's a pre-echo of the supposed tragic death that's going to be touted out to the world to do what? to get the hyper emotion, to get the people crying. Um, think of Michael Jackson, think of Prince, um, these hyper emotional states that they create and you better bet your last dollar. What follows the hyper emotional state that they've created? Some spells. They're throwing the seeds into the hyper emotion. And so we went or, or I went and I picked out 15 names. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have time to do this, but what would you add, Jason? I'm making the claim here. So, so you're in a better position than I am because I'm making the claim. I've got to prove it's correct. Although I cheated a little because I already have prints in my back pocket. Sure. And I'm pretty certain you're going to come up with something. When Dr. Garris mentioned Batman before, there's something that popped in my head that I keep seeing over and over again. And I'm sure this, again, is social engineering concepts being woven into things. In these Batman movies, we'll take the better ones, the ones that uh, Christopher Nolan did a few years ago. The Joker is a far more interesting character than Batman. His screen time is just so much more interesting to see than anything that the good guy Batman would do. And I see this being repeated over and over again. If you look back at the Matrix movies, Agent Smith is more entertaining and interesting than Neo. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And often they would be deemed crazy as a straight across the board. And that is also a big part of social programming of our time. There will come a point if this plays out where mental health will be the be all and the end all. If you get that tag, you're done. You can't say anything in, on your own behalf. You're owned and operated. You can, you can feel that coming with the social rating, but I don't want to pull us too far off. Um, did you have anything more to add about the anger? Well, Dr. Grace, it looks like you have some stories there that you wanted to inject, right? Well, just just that it's it, it's distracting. It it uh, it it it's it's ignorant. It it doesn't get what you want. I was going to tell this there's sailboat story. I, back back in the day, I've I've I, I've given up cigarettes, but back in the day, I was teaching sailing, and I was out on uh, a big lake, and we were we were all sailing in little. I think they were twenty five foot one designs so all the boats were the same and i was gaining on this other boat doing doing very well and then a little cigarette <laughs> and then the other guy's gaining on me and uh, and the, my first thought was well what did he do he, how did he did he trim the sail what did he how can he be doing that and then i i threw away the cigarette and concentrated on what i was doing and i won the race i mean something as slight as that, if, if smoking a cigarette can keep you from winning a sailboat race because you're not concentrating on what you're doing, then what does that say about getting angry or thinking the other guy is, and I'm going to go, I'm going to get him, I'm going to hurt him. And instead of just doing the job that has to be done to get you to where you want to go. 
there's a double entendre there. A cigarette took the wind out of my sails. <laughs> um, you know, but it reminds me what you're talking about is the, the the real pandemic of our time is all these people glued almost autistic like to their handheld device and all these bad things happen, an accident, you know, just mm. the, the internet is chock-a-block with clips of people who aren't paying attention because they've got an autistic fascination with their handheld device. And I know some people take umbrage, but I'm sorry. It, it, it's gotten to the point where anyone who uses a handheld device all day long, every day, that's bordering on some form of autism, I would say. But anyhow, we keep going off on all these weird things. Are we ready to, uh, to take the next step here? Sure. Court cases are not won by ambush or piles of paperwork. Court cases are won by sticking to the rules, making a record of the facts as admissible evidence, citing the law that controls the outcome based on the facts. Everything else is a weakening distraction that works against one. Judges are not fools. Some may be biased, but none are utter fools. Judges are biased against parties with crooked motives. And then we have the example of the two little boys in guardianship. Rules were bent to save those boys. Father had murdered their mother. Chief judge came on the case along with three others. The boys were kept safe and the law was obeyed. As you get into this, Dr. Graves, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out the thing that has just baffled me because I know what you're saying here is designed to be what's true. But all this corporate policy has like taken over the legal system and it just baffles me because we've covered enough that I know all these systems are in place and people who know to access them and, and move correctly, they succeed a lot. But how in the hell did a system that's based on some pretty specific rules get so taken over by corporate policy? Clarence Carson wrote a book. I, shared, I think I shared this with you tried to earlier called The World in the Grip of an Idea, World in the Grip of an Idea, recommended. And what he was seeing is something that, and he writes about it, is something that I saw in law school when we started out at the beginning and reading cases. And some of the old cases like Hadley versus Baxendale and Brown versus Kendall and Kirksey's versus Kirksey, uh, they all made sense. When you looked at what the appellate court justices were saying with cases that went up on appeal, and what they were saying in resolving the dispute over the issues, it all made perfect sense. I, I grew up in a very small town in Ohio. You know, I, I like to go out in the, on the farms and, you know, and milk the cows and feed the chickens and slop the hogs. And, and, and you know, that kind of life, you're pretty much forced to learn a little bit of common sense. And the early cases up through even into the 19th century it pretty much all made sense, something that a West Virginia farmer would have no problem agreeing with. But then getting into the 20th century, we had more mechanized war in World War II than we'd ever had before. The horrors of war, of course, the Civil War was just horrible. All war is horrible. But World War I was pretty much, I think, anesthetized the American people a little bit. And then came World War II and the bomb. And we annihilated tens of thousands of women and children, which was not what we were all about, theoretically. And yet we annihilated them, not just once, 
Hiroshima, but also at Nagasaki. And I think that we were further anesthetized. How do you come back from that? You know, the, the massacres of the Indians, and, and now that was wrong. But this nation has gotten to the point where the leaders are, are something of a priesthood. And when I mean by the leaders, the leaders are appellate court justices. You're, you're, you're dreaming if you think the White House is running the show. The appellate court justices are running the show, and they're deciding for us what is moral and what is immoral in their eyes and in the eyes of the law, which controls everybody. So this change has been taking place for the past 120 years. You could, you could actually see it, but you had to spend three years of sitting there reading all these old books. <laughs> and I could tell the, the, the newer cases get completely off track, like a recent one that says the corporation is a person. Things like that are just insane. But legal education in this country is completely failing. The idea that we can't talk about God, we could come back to that again. You know, it's not about religion. It's about there being absolutes. And when we cast aside the absolute for the exigent goal that we have, and we say, well, you know, that the ends justify the means, that's not true. The ends do not justify the means. If I have to do, if I have to do evil, to get something, then what I need to do is stop and try to find another way to get it. But we've allowed the people who are the priesthood in our appellate courts to be completely diseducated about the fundamental principles that made this country possible in the first place. And I'm not sure how that's going to change if I don't get the corporation to do the publishing and get this into the schools while, it's, while we still have time. Well, there's so much going on in that statement. I feel like we crossed the Rubicon for a second in the middle there. I'll hook you up with episode 53 when we're done so you can see the work that we've done on nuclear weapons. But the statement that you made following nuclear weapons is true. We've never gotten out from under it. To this day, that is the headsman's hatchet over every single one of us in this world with very few exceptions. Um, and what's it doing? It's creating the fear. But to come back around, what I have noticed through the legal groups and all the legal minds that we have come across is that, in fact, there are these very concise rules written down. And if you know how to access them and work properly based on them, we don't see people fail very often. And yet it's the catch-22, because I know what you're saying about the, the priesthood. That's true, too. Um, or even if we went up to the Supreme Court, how does the Supreme Court justice get there? Well, some president who plays for this side or that appoints them. <laughs> so the, the, the overarching idea that I'm taking away from everything you just said is really it is these so-called leaders or rulers who create all the trouble, who march us into war, who tell us they've dropped a nuke on a hundred thousand lives. But the problem is well covered in the older spiritual ideas. There's an idea that as a nation, we share some kind of common karma. If we go down to our community here in the town I live, there's some kind of common karma. And so what's that based on? Apparently, it is claimed that if we saw a, a thing that we were a part of doing what was wrong, and we didn't stand up and announce that we are not part of that or that we are against that, then we inherit 
the karma. And that comes full circle to acting in honor, the ideas of light and darkness that we've covered. But it's such a catch-22, Dr. Graves, to know that there are these very concise and many of it, it seems like so much of the legal ideas were written with actual living men and women in mind when some of these things were written. And yet clever, dark minds have abrogated, but it doesn't take away that those things still exist, I guess. Well, it comes to the, the absence of light, the absence of light. You know, we can, we can blame the people who are walking in the darkness and, and filling the world with spewing into the world the darkness that's within them. But the cure isn't to eliminate those people. The cure is more light. We can't eliminate the darkness unless we create more light. And I think what, if we don't get anything else accomplished today, if we could just hope to reach a few people with the concept, which is undeniable, that doing good gets good. Doing what's right has its own reward, plus there's other rewards that come from doing what's right. And that trying to trick people and trying to snowball people and trying to bury people in paperwork when you go to court and trying to ambush people and all that, it, it doesn't, it ultimately, it does not work. What works is just like, you know, as we understand from the karate, you know, there's a certain way that, that, that I can strike you. I don't want to strike you, but there's a certain way I can strike you. You're not going to get up or I, I can just do things the right way. And focus on what's right, focus my chi toward what's right, and I get a reward. I get, I get what the universe wants to give me, what the logos is designed to produce when we are walking in accordance with the logos, in accordance with this overarching system that without a doubt definitely benefits those who seek the will of whatever this is that we're living in, that some people call God. Dr. Graves, we're close to it. I've got a wrap hour one. Will you please tell people how to get to your course, your legal course? Go to the yellow button on your, on your site, howtowinincourt.com is the name of the, of the website, but go to your button, click the button, that yellow button, no lawyer, no problem. Click here. And but it's howtowinincourt.com. And I just want people to understand that whether it's rules of court or rules of living with your spouse or a friend or a family member, there are rules. And when we work within the rules, we get a benefit. And we try to work around the rules or under the rules or sidestep the rules, it comes back and backfires on our face every time. All right, there it is. That's our one of episode 389 roughly covering legal ideas, but harping around the idea of remaining in honor, which is critical. And what I would point out is all these ideas that we put down from a legal standpoint, well, they apply to how you live your life too. My father always told me, if you see someone doing something wrong and you could do something wrong to stop them, then how has that stopped the thing that you don't like in the first place called wrong? He says, you have a choice. You can do what's right and what is wrong stops with you right there, right then. Maybe it's the old cliche that was supposed to be the buck stops here. In other words, don't dig this thing at my 
life is where this will go no further. And these are big ideas. Anyhow, join us for hour two of episode 388 at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing.